welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing about two unpopular parks and why it's okay to leave some remote places alone. We'll also see if Cole can tell the difference between a person and a caribou. Happy listening! Estamos listos. See. Sí. <laughs> yeah, we're heading to Argentina in about uh, ten an minutes. Hour. No, an hour. We've got just enough time to record a podcast and hopefully finish charging our phones and run to the bus stop where we'll get, um, you know, take a little public transportation journey to the airport. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a long day of travel. Two days really, because we fly overnight from Dallas to Buenos Aires, then we get a little two-week sojourn in the uh, beautiful heart. country of Argentina. Yeah, and Patagonia, Price is Right vacation, thank you very much. Uh, so we're super psyched, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be amazing, yeah, since the day that we won it on the Price is Right. Yep, so. and... Uh, yeah, and I mean, if you're interested in that story, check it out. There's a big, long two blog posts about the drama of my Price is Right experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited to get back on the road because we haven't done serious adventure travel since our trip ended in August. So we packed up our new backpacks from the Price is Right. I've got my Price is Right boots. I've got... The shirt I wore on the, the trip, we're going to... We're really uh, representing. We're playing it up. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, we had a really awesome holiday season, Christmas with the family. Yeah, very relaxing, very recharging. Yeah. New Year's Eve with friends. That was a blast. Mm-hmm. Had everybody here. Big party. Because um, we're just that kind of people. We're party people. Are we? No, we're not. No. Um, but we try to act like it sometimes. Oh, yeah, and if Max is listening, we got on the, the topic of our podcast at one point, and he apparently enjoys listening to the first five minutes <laughs> because he enjoys our banter. He just can't get enough of his good friends. But he can get enough of all the rest of the information. <laughs> Said very frankly he does not care one bit about the info. So good, good for him, but Max, how about this? While right after we finish up here, I'm going to have a really nice lunch of those ribs you left in our fridge. So hope uh, hope you miss them dearly because I will be enjoying them dearly. Wow, you're so mean. Yeah, well, it's all good. <laughs> Is it? So, okay, let's get to the podcast because we don't have a whole ton of time. No, we don't. So we're going to start, kick things off with a little... Parks in the news quiz for Cole. So I uh, was looking up some facts about one of the parks that we're going to talk about today, Kobuk Valley, and just remembering our time there. And one of the big things there is this, um, the caribou migration that happens twice a year. And so I was looking up some statistics about park visitors and things like that. So I'm going to give Cole a quiz and this, um, the sentence is either going to be talking about people 
or caribou. <laughs> and he has to tell which one. So, ready, Cole? I'm ready. Okay. Let's, let's see. Okay, so they first arrived in the area around 9,000 years ago. Docu- or like, as um, history would... Oh, geez. So, I mean, that's so close to the, the Bering Land Bridge that I'm going to say it was people. Yep, people. Yes. Probably similar to... I mean, caribou might have been around the same time, but the people... The first artifacts, the human artifacts, were around 9,000 years ago. And they, they were there to hunt the caribou. So... Um, all right, most complete a journey of 550 miles to reach their destination. Well, that sounds more like caribou, unless you're talking about the <laughs> miles that, that the average bush person flies. Bush but person. I'm going to say caribou because they have a long, stinking migration. I, it's actually people. I was oh. trying to trick you. So it's actually so it's 600 miles. Is the caribou? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that margin. Is the caribou, uh, the caribou migration, and most people come through Cotsbue, which is 550 miles from Anchorage. <laughs> okay. So I, that was really kind of not fair, but you're 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 both you're right. How about that? Okay. The next one. Um, about 14,000 traveled through the park last year. I'd say that's caribou. No, it's people. What? There are it's about half a million caribou in the herd. Oh. So it's about 500,000. So yeah, you, that's pretty far off. You weren't even close. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and they travel through twice a year, so really it's like a million. Um, no argument on that okay, one. Okay, their trek usually includes usually crosses through the Kobuk sand dunes. Yeah, that's definitely people. The caribou wouldn't want to go through the sand dunes. Like, who wants to hoof it through a bunch of sand for miles and miles? Well, these caribou do, apparently. No. no it's that, both. I think, it's, no. Both. It's both. That's... Okay. <laughs> you are evil. <laughs> At least I'm not eating Max's ribs. <laughs> All right. Well, Cole, you got two and a half correct. Okay, I'll out take of four. that. It's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, are you ready to get started with our conversation today? Yeah. So, topic is parks that... You introduced the topic because you did all the work to prep it. <laughs> we call this the park road less traveled. So, these are unpopular national parks. And we, we're kind of talking about two different layers of parks. So, we've got, like, unpopular among... No, like normal people, but but a lot of travelers really know the first park we're talking about, and then the second park we're talking about just new definition of unpopular. Like, you know, fourteen thousand visitors in a year is not a lot of visitors, um, and so um, yeah, let's get started with our first park. We're going to be talking about Big Bend National Park, which was actually on our top ten list. If you want to go back to our first, very first episode of the podcast, we talked a little bit more about Big Bend. Yeah, don't miss that one, because that's still my favorite podcast or episode, just because of the the topic. I love talking about our, our top top ten parks. Yep. But this was definitely made the list. It is definitely getting more well-known, I feel like. And like Elizabeth said, a lot of park enthusiasts love it. And a lot of RVers love it. A yeah. lot of um, like long-term, long, long-term travelers talk about Big Bend a lot. We, it was recommended, um, well, it was highly talked about as we were leading up to visiting it. 
Um, but we had never heard of it before visiting, and before planning the trip. Tons of people that we mentioned our top 10 list to didn't know it either. So we feel like it's probably less well-known than we realize. Um, so it, why why is that? Basically because it's hundreds of miles from the closest city. It's in the bend part of Texas. Like if you look at Texas on that left side on the bottom, uh, southern edge on the border with Mexico, it makes that big curvy bend, and that's where the Big Bend National Park is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bordered by the Rio Grande on the south, and just I don't know an arbitrary line of desert on the north, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's super it's- far away from everything. Takes a really long drive from any airport or any city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the park is separated into three main areas, like three main districts, and that's the the desert, and that's the um, the Rio Grande, the river area, and then the Chisos Mountains, which which we got to see a little bit of all three of those areas, and we, I mean, we were we visited for about five days, I think. Um, we filled our time there for sure. There's tons to do, and it's such a big, big park. Um, that planning ahead is really important because if you think you're gonna you know drive from one end of the park to the other and it, you think it might just take a little bit of time it's gonna take you mo- like a good chunk of your day just to drive from one end to the other so plan out your campsites ahead of time maybe plan to like start on one end and then make your way to the other end over the next few days um, but that's that's important. Yeah, so let's walk them through maybe chronologically the sure. uh, highlights we had. Mm-hmm. So we started in the Chisos Mountains, that area. Um, we drove up, we camped at the that campground there, which was one of our favorite campgrounds too. I wasn't didn't make our top ten, but it was a nice campground. Yeah, you're in the bottom of this bowl, and basically you look all around you, and it's the Chisos Mountains surrounding you. So. That was super cool. There are some hikes right off the campground. Um, you know, we did some of those shorter hikes, and then we, you know, probably my favorite thing of the trip is we did a short overnight backpack trip. Uh, I think it was probably 16 miles. Yeah, it wasn't total. It, we did like 12 miles one day, and then we just had three or four the next day. So it and um, it wasn't a huge backpacking trip. Just one overnight, but we. Saw the um, South Rim, which is which is something people might recommend to you if you talk about Big Bend, and that's gorgeous view of just, uh, you know, the rest of the, it, it, like you see into Mexico and it's just the mountains into Mexico. Yeah, it's because gorgeous. you're basically on this rim, but there's no other side. It's not like a canyon. It's just totally drops off. And you see forever in front of you, which is really cool. And then the mountains behind you, the mountains to the side of you. Um, you might get lucky and see some peregrine falcons. Mm-hmm. Remember, we checked out some of those. That yeah. was super cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And part of the a little stretch trail that we weren't going on anyway was closed off because that's where they nest. Um, it's actually the. It's also this hike was the only time we've ever seen a bear while hiking. Yeah, I think on our whole trip. Yeah, which is it was a kind small, of surprising. Yeah, it was a small Mexican black bear, and um, the you know we passed a hiker going the other way that warned us about the bear up ahead, and we were loud, and it just kind of scampered off and didn't care what we were doing. 
Yeah, it didn't really mind us at all. I think no. it was just kind of walk, doing its own thing. It, it was kind of surprising because it was really early for them to be out of hibernation mm-hmm. when we were there, which was February, February, February first Be- week, Very basically. beginning of February. Yeah. So it was nice. Speaking of being in February, it was really nice weather until it was evening in the middle of the night, I guess, when we were backpacking, especially on that overnight. Uh, we, you know, didn't have, we only had our sleeping bags and some extra layers of clothes. So it got freezing. Oh, it was really cold that night. One of the coldest nights we had, definitely camping. So mm-hmm. prepare for sure. Don't underestimate, even with how warm it is in the day, don't underestimate the cold at night, especially if you're in the Chisos Mountains. Yeah, the next day, though, it was about 80 degrees when we we drove from the Chisos Mountain area down to the, um, the river area, I guess, and... Um, we got to, so visitors there can cross over the Rio Grande and visit a little Mexican village called Boquillas. And that was definitely one of our favorite things that we did too. Yeah, that was, they give you a, a, a guide once you get across the river. So you pay, I don't know, five bucks for somebody to do five strokes and get you across the river. Yeah, it's a really small part of the river. You could easily walk it. Yeah, but, uh, you know, support the local economy. It's That's kind of what they survive off of is the trickle of tourism uh, from the park. But And, it you know, they set you up with a really yeah, a, a nice guide. You know, you don't need a guide, but that's just what they do. So we weren't going to, you know, ruffle any feathers, of course. We were just kind of looking to enjoy the town and enjoy the people so that was that was all part of it and yeah you can there are like three restaurants and a gift shop and um the guide will take you around show you the town the church and the school and the some of the houses there are probably like 14 houses in the in the whole town something like that (laughs) yeah there aren't very many he told us the exact number and it was like something like 14 or 15 um and yeah so we just sat and drank a margarita and uh, enjoyed the little town. Then headed back. It not was much. Cute. Not yeah, much to see, a, but not a ton to do. But um, good, definitely a good trip to say you stepped into Mexico. Mm-hmm. That was a fun part. And after that, actually, that night was awesome because we got to go oh, to yeah. the hot springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one hot springs right off the Rio Grande, and basically they've kind of made a nice little pool where you can just go relax there, um, a very short hike to get there. And there were a couple other people there, so but we just chatted with them and we watched the stars come out and filled the whole sky because that's another thing. This place was mm-hmm. the most incredible for stars. Uh, it rivals Great Basin, which was our other top amazing stargazing spot but um i would just look up and and i could stare at it i did you know one night just stare at it for you know 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was incredible it's hard not to yeah just stare at it such a white streak of the milky way going right through the you know the sky you can see orion because it was winter so orion was out um and yeah loved it uh, next yeah. day. Then our last day was 
spent, um, we drove through the, the scenic drive through the desert area, stopped it and did a couple of short hikes and overlooks and things like that. We made our way to the Santa Elena Canyon, which we, we actually just that day, I think we talked to someone who recommended that we, since we had our inflatable kayak, he said, oh, did you know you can just kind of, the the river is so calm, like gentle in through the canyon that you can just paddle up a few miles and then float back. Um, and we were like, we did not know that. So we um, we were gonna hike right along the edge for a mile, you know, up and then back. And this sounded way cooler. Oh, definitely. Because we we could see the people hiking on the side, and mm-hmm. we're like, what's up, suckers? Yeah, and we got to go. We were able to go much further than they did. So that was nice. It was really. I mean, it, this is one of my favorite pictures of the whole trip. Was just right on the water, it's reflecting the tall canyon um, walls on either side of the kayak. And we were the only one, we saw one other peop- uh, one other couple kayaking uh, on the way back, we saw them. But we, um, yeah, we just paddled up and then floated on back and it was gorgeous. So, such a pretty, just such, such pretty scenery. Yeah, majestic is the way I would put it. Yeah. Yeah, is that still the background of your phone? No, I changed it to Grand Teton. Okay. I, it was, though, for a long time. <laughs> this is a, oh, it's a great picture. It's, yeah, phone background worthy. That sell, it says a lot. I know, I know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there were even uh, other parts that we didn't hit. Like, if, if I went back, I would love to have a four-wheel drive vehicle so we could do mm-hmm. that. The rim, or the... Rim road, I think, right? Rim road? I think that's what it's called. Yeah, it's just a stretch of four-wheel drive road that kind of goes right along the rim of the river. You know, we saw the south rim section that you could hike along, but there was a whole different section as well. Um, and those pictures also look incredible. So, yeah, we, we'd love to do that. We'd, you know, love to do a little longer backpacking trip maybe. Yeah. Um, so tons we still didn't hit, but we mm-hmm. definitely feel like we got a good – view of the three different areas definitely i think we yeah and we had such a good experience at all three of them so we wouldn't recommend one over the other at all yeah um but yeah definitely we would say plan at least four or five days in this park um and plan your camping sites ahead of time so then you can kind of uh figure out where you're going to go each day yeah and And it worked out well for us because we entered kind of through the the north, maybe northeast entrance mm-hmm. road, and then we exited through the um, west. Since we were heading to yep. to Guadalupe Mountains yep. next, mm-hmm. yeah, we did have to backtrack a little bit, I think, but it wasn't anything that was a big deal. So yeah, Big Bend was definitely one of our favorites. Read more about it on our blog. We've got several blog posts about it, a video, and things like that. So, so yeah, you want to move on to the next one, which is a whole different layer of unpopular and that's Kobuk Valley National Park in Alaska in the middle right in the middle of Alaska above the Arctic Circle um no facilities <laughs> it's the definition of remote there are no you know no ranger stations no roads no trails no nothing yeah you said it was a <laughs> 550 mile flight from Anchorage to Kotzebue. To Kotzebue, which is the closest big city to Kobuk yeah, Valley. Yeah, big which city is, is a little overstatement, but... 
I mean, they have a grocery store. <laughs> they do. They have a grocery store. They actually have a hospital, too. Yeah. So I would call it a, a, a Alaska big. Yeah, okay. So it's an yeah. Alaska city. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's how, we, that's how we got there. So our trip to Kobuk Valley was was um, probably how a lot of people visit, which is not not the most um, adventurous or not the most... Um, rugged. Maybe. Rugged, for sure. But we flew... So we flew a scheduled, regularly scheduled flight from Anchorage to Kotzebue. And then we flew on a bush plane from Kotzebue to, that touched down in Kobuk Valley for, for 30 minutes. And then it touched down in... Um, in uh, Gates of the Gates Arctic. Of the Ar- thank you. <laughs> blanking. On Gates, in Gates of the Arctic for half an hour, and then it just flew back to Kotzebue. So our visit to Kobuk Valley and Gates of the Arctic were only, to only took about three hours total, which was not exactly how we wanted to visit, but it was the best way money-wise and yeah. time-wise. We didn't have a ton of time to like drive up the, um, the Dalton, Dalton Highway. Highway to Gates of the Arctic. So it was definitely the best for us. Yeah, and... The charter still, because you have to charter a plane to get to either of these parks, to the heart of them at least, um, it's basically $600 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's... It's not cheap. Yeah, all that... Not even close. All that adds up, especially when you're working on a budget of $20,000 for the year, um, for both of us. But, yeah, we knew Alaska was going to be a big chunk of that, and we weren't disappointed at all. It It was really cool to get the view from the air. Um, we flew, you know, over the, over this basically tundra area. And what really impressed me was all of the, just the water, Mm -hmm. the bodies of water you could see from the plane. And Mm -hmm. it was so interesting because it was just like perfect dots all over. I guess, I don't know if that's because of the permafrost that it kind of makes, the it seals the lakes like the the water can't drain out of these little depressions or what but mm-hmm. the, that's what fascinated me most was just seeing all and how the river just braided into a thousand yeah, the, different braids i love seeing the rivers from the air the twisty turny like crazy rivers going at all, all everywhere throughout the the area because <laughs> that's a main <laughs> feature really cool. Yeah, that's a main yeah. feature of the park is the river, mm-hmm. uh, Kobuk River, and that goes right by the Kobuk Dunes, sand dunes, which are the other main feature. Of yeah, the park. and that, we should mention that's another way that a pretty popular way to visit the park is to float the river. And so some people you can get dropped off in um, Ambler. Ambler, thank you. Which is on the east side of the park, and then you can float the river through the park to. Kiana. Kiana, sorry. <laughs> we keep, just looked up these. I know, and I keep forgetting the names. So you can float from from Ambler to Kiana and then get picked up in Kiana. But that's like, that's two bush plane, um, you know, trips that you have to pay for. And so for us, it wasn't, it wasn't too possible. And we also didn't bring our kayak to Alaska. Yeah, and it'd be about five days trip, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, it's about so, five days. So yeah, a, a good float. It I would definitely love to do it. Like, sounds super cool to be in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, you know, just getting from point A to point B, um, totally on your own. But maybe Elizabeth would think otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, a little, slightly. Being dropped off in the middle of nowhere wasn't my idea of a good 
time. At the at the maybe someday I will think that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Not at this point. Um, so yeah, we but we we actually had a pretty good time in the town of Kotzebue. So we we um, they always people told us that make sure you plan a few different days where you can do this bush plane tour. Just you know have a plan B and a plan C and maybe even a plan D because of weather. Thankfully, our plan A worked perfectly. So we uh, we flew into Kotzebue, immediately got on a bush plane, did our four-hour, three-and-a-half-hour tour, and then came back, and we had two more days to just relax in Kotzebue. And so we, try, we did try to get a flight home first because staying in Kotzebue is very expensive. Um, but we did get a nice B&B. I ended up yeah, liking that place. I liked uh, it a lot. Yeah, it was, it was called it? Bibbers. Bibbers. Bibbers yeah. B&B. And um, it was, you know, it wasn't super cheap as far as our experience went. It was about 125 a night. We stayed two, yeah. two nights. But it was really cool. It was, it was. But that's about uh, half the hotels. Yeah, exactly. The hotel's about 250 or 300 a night. And so we... Um, it, yeah, and it was nice. We had our own room. We had um, access to the bathroom and the, and then they had this this lounge area upstairs with a TV and a, a full kitchen and and um, internet. They had internet at this place, and so we it was really nice to just relax and. Anyway, this is about the park, though. <laughs> this uh, podcast. That, I mean, this is our experience. So. Yeah, yeah. No, because we had little time actually in the park itself it was nice to just get the real feel of Kotzebue walk around the town you know walk out to the cemetery walk by the we never got to see the fish getting unloaded from no. the ships that brought it in we spent um, about probably about five or six hours at the visitor center we spent yes. a lot of time there watching a couple R- movies and, really nice visitor center yeah and looking at the exhibits there um and talking to the rangers and we went to an evening program where they we watched a video on on climate change in Alaska, or climate change or no fracking, fracking. Yeah, fracking. Just kidding. Um, but we watched several videos when we were there, so it was good though. It was it was a good good experience. But and it is it's also kind of to me it's it's a reason why Kobuk Valley is kind of to me an example of why you don't necessarily need to visit all the parks. Yeah, Did I you, can see you that. Agree with that? Uh, yeah, like if you're not into the super get lost in the wild and have a rugged adventure, which you know, no, like that sounds fun to me. Doesn't sound fun to Elizabeth. It's no, not totally personal preference. Like we said in our first five episodes, no wrong way to love a park. Um, but I also think that means that certain parks might not be on the top of your list. And if and, they're not on the top of your list, you might not ever get to them. And that's okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's just fine. Um, Kobuk Valley is not really protected for us. It's not really a park for people. Yeah. You know, there, there are no facilities. There are no, it's not a recreational park. That I mean, it certainly can be if that's your style. But the park is protected for these um, this caribou migration, essentially. That's one of the main reasons. It's also... One of the richest, um, uh, uh, what is the word I'm thinking? Biological of? diversity. When you uh, archaeology. Oh, richest archaeolo- archaeological yeah, site. One of those the sites there was I can't, can't remember what it was called, but it's it's got it's one of the like most important archaeological sites too for okay. human history in in Alaska. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so. It's important. It's very important to protect and preserve, 
but maybe it's not important that everyone sees it. Yeah, and it has some really out of the blue sand dunes, so that's just cool. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. just really cool. And that was so just to finish out our experience. That's where we actually landed. Is we were flying over the whole park basically from one end to the other, and we stopped down. We landed for about thirty minutes on the sand dunes, so that was really cool. Touch down there, and you're immediately surrounded by sand on all sides and in the middle of, you know, the tundra. So um, that's where the river cuts through and we just kind of ran around and took some pictures and played in the sand and <laughs> didn't have time for much else. No, nope, that's about all we did. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, <laughs> I guess the the bottom line here is is give these parks you've maybe never heard of a chance. Maybe. If you want, because um, it's it's all comes down to personal preference. We only have so many, um, you know, we'll only have so much vacation, only have so many mm-hmm. resources to get out to these places. So, and just keep in mind that some of these places are not f- necessarily for us. They're for the preservation of the the some of the last true wilderness left that we have in this country. And so it's not necessarily that we have to conquer all of it as humans. Sometimes we can just let some things be unseen, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's maybe it's okay if they're kept as secrets. Right. Especially, like, Big Bend is one of the, I think it's one of the best well-kept secrets that in the parks. And so maybe let's keep it that way a little bit. Yeah, because we're really helping with that with our, our podcast. I know, we're, we're like getting out the message here. <laughs> but, you know, go, but don't be annoying and make it overcrowded. How about that? <laughs> sounds good. So we are now off to Argentina. So oh my gosh, we're gonna... yeah, we got to get, we got to throw some things in our, in the, uh, on our backpacks still. So we're going to head out to the airport and we're actually going to try to record a podcast from Argentina. So stay tuned for that next week. Um, but for now, that's, that's, a, that's it. That's, thanks for checking us out today. Uh, so we'll be back next week if we have time to record a podcast to feature two parks that offer far more than their overlooks suggest. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, find us on social media, and you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and all kinds of other stuff on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out!